Well, God's doing some amazing things with some amazing people. And, you know, they probably won't tell you that, you know, they're amazing. But one thing they all have in common is they answered the call of the Holy Spirit. And this whole year, we've been going through our theme of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, we went through the Sermon on the Mount. Because I think it's important for us to understand what is it that we signed up for. Because a lot of us might have signed up for various things. I just signed up to be saved. That's it. I've got my fire insurance. Hey, I'm good. But you know, God called us to something more than that. God called us to eternal life. Not only in heaven, but to live that eternal life here. And the way we do that is to be his disciple. And so we have two Sundays left, and then we're going to conclude this series. But today we're going to talk about what, how is one led by the Holy Spirit? Because I think that's something that's mysterious to all of us, right? We say, well, you know, isn't God supposed to talk to us? You know, and you know, how does that happen today? You know, in his book. um, hearing God's voice, Henry Blackaby, he tells about uh, the story of a missionary, a young missionary who was heading off to India, and his name was John Hyde. Now, when he was on a boat, he opened a letter um, from his friend that he assumed was a letter of support. And in this red, uh, letter, his friend wrote to him, I shall not cease praying for you, dear John, until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You can imagine what his reaction was when he opened this letter. He was enraged. He was angry. I am going to India. What are you saying that you are praying for me to experience and have the Holy Spirit? This is why I'm going. But as time passed, Hyde became more and more uneasy. He grew increasingly convinced that his friend had been right. He was painfully aware of recurring sin and ungodly attitude in his life, and he finally reached this crisis point where he said, I was led to tell the Lord that I was willing even to fail my language examinations in India and to be a missionary working quietly out of sight that I would do anything and be anything but the Holy Spirit I would have At all cost. He realized that he went over there maybe because he just wanted to. He wanted the glory. And he was willing to say, I'd be willing to do anything. Even do something behind the scenes. But I wanted the Holy Spirit. And he realized even going over there that he left without the Holy Spirit. Because of the patterns in his life. And yet, I think a lot of us today have that same issue. Well, we might have big pictures. We might get excited about what God wants to do. And we could just go charging forward. But we forget. We forget that we need the Holy Spirit in our presence on a daily basis. And today, we're going to um, take a look at this. But before we start, I'd like us to look at a quotation from Francis Chan. He says, I think a lot of us need to forget about God's will for my life. Wow. And you might think, what is this guy talking about? God cares more about our response to his Holy Spirit's leading today in this moment than about what we intend to do next year. Next slide. 
In fact, the decisions we make next year will be profoundly affected by the degree to which we submit to the Holy Spirit right now in today's decision. Next slide. It's much less demanding to think about God's will for your future than it is to ask him what he wants you to do in the next 10 minutes. It's safer to commit to following him someday instead of this day. And how many of us have been caught up in this? Well, we want to know, God, what's your will for me? I'm sitting here and I'm going to pray for you. What do you want for me? What do you want for me? And in the meantime, God is saying, Dave, I want you to go talk to this person. Dave, I want you to pray for this person. But oh no, Lord, what's the big picture? What do you want me to do? I'm just going to sit here and pray for you until you give me your will. Unfortunately, uh, the missionary John Haidt was also dealing with the same short-sightedness that Francis Chan was talking about. Looking and trying to get God's big picture, but not seeing what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in the present day. And the church, we have that problem here today, too. Well, yes, we have our vision, and that's important. But we also say, what's our five-year plan? What's our 10-year plan? Then what are our strategic objectives to get to the five-year plan and then our 10-year plan? But it's interesting, as you look in Scripture, God rarely gives your a detailed plan to people. You know, he'll give you the big picture. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, and the whole world's going to be blessed by you. But he didn't tell you, okay, but then year one, you're going to do this. You're going to prepare for the journey. Year two, these are your objectives. He just said to what? Go, go. When Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, what did God do? Well, he used a pillar of fire and a cloud to lead him. When Joshua led, um, took over after Moses died to lead the Israelites, God just told him, look, you cross the Jordan, and then there's this land that I want you to take, and no one will be able to contact, con- um, conquer. You will be, no one will be able to defeat you. He didn't tell them, well, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want. He just told them, right? Because if he told them that, oh, by the way, you're going to um, come across this city called Jericho. It's heavenly walled. And you know how you're going to defeat it? You're going to march around it seven times. You know, Joshua said, what? You know, that's crazy. See, the problem is we're waiting for God to tell us exactly what's that big picture. What's that five-year plan? What's the ten-year plan? God doesn't do that. He just says, go, go. And then I'll let you know on a day-to-day basis what I want you to do. That's a little bit scarier, right? There's no control that way. There's no planning that way. But this requires faith. And this is what God is trying to develop in us. In Galatians 5.16, the Apostle Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So when he says, walk by the Spirit, and that's a present tense. What that really means is Paul is talking about continuous, regular action. In other words, a habitual way of life, of walking with the Holy Spirit. In fact, this isn't a suggestion. No, this is a command that's given by God through Paul that we are to walk with the Spirit on a regular, daily Basis. It's amazing how when I talk to people, I say, when was the last time you experienced the leading of the Holy Spirit? Or when was the last time you experienced the Holy Spirit? Oh man, I experienced them when I accepted Jesus into my heart. 
I experienced him when I was baptized. And I said, well, that was over like 15 years, 20 years ago. So do you think the Holy Spirit just wants to pop in your life every 20 years? You know, and just say, okay, whatever you want to do in the uh, next 15 years, just go for it. No, the Holy Spirit wants us to walk with him on a daily basis. And then in 525, Galatians 525, the Paul says, Since we live by the Holy Spirit, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Basically, Paul is exhorting us to keep a lifestyle controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we are being keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, that means somebody else is keeping the pace. We got to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Who is keeping the pace? But how many of us have got it the other way around? Well, we ask the Holy Spirit to keep in pace with us. Then when we pray for God's leading, when we pray for the Holy Spirit, it's not God, you know, your will be done. It's God, you know, this is what I want to do. These are the things I want to accomplish. This is a person I want to date. Father, Holy Spirit, can you just partner with me in helping me accomplish my goals? Can you be in step with me? And when we think about it, isn't that what we're asking the Holy Spirit? We're not keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. We're asking the Holy Spirit to keep in step with us. But also keeping in step also means that we need to keep with the Holy Spirit's, up with the Holy Spirit's pace. Sometimes we are walking out in front of the Holy Spirit because we figure out we got it. We know what God wants us to do. Vroom, we're out, right? Now, what did Jesus tell the disciples after he resurrected? He goes, okay, I'm back. Okay, I want you to go to all nations. Go for it. No, he said, you guys are to wait for what? The Holy Spirit. The disciples, even though they got the Great Commission, they didn't do anything until they received the Holy Spirit. How many of us just, you know, we, we get excited about something, a ministry or whatever, and we just, boom, we go ahead and do it without asking God, is this what you want? Is this what you want me to do? Is this what you, the, the people you want me to minister to? And we wonder why it doesn't go right, because we're walking in front of the Holy Spirit. Some of us lag behind the Holy Spirit. You know, some of us, want, we want to hear the will of the Holy Spirit, yet in the fl- on the flip side, we're afraid to hear the will of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because what if the Holy Spirit tells you something that you don't want to hear? Right? I want you to go and speak to this person. I want you to go and um, forgive this person. I want you to go and move, pick up everything you have, and I want you to go and move over here. Oh, we don't want to hear that. Right? And so in, in one sense, we might want the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yet on the flip side, we might be so terrified. What if the Holy Spirit speaks to us? Because we know the Holy Spirit's going to ask us to get out of our comfort zone. We have to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Not ahead or not behind. You know, whole, uh, the guidance or leading from the Holy Spirit is not insider information. A lot of us think, Holy Spirit, just, if I just knew, just let me know so I can make a decision that would lead to money, happiness, and success. 
You know, it's not like he's giving you a tip on a stock, right? Hey, go buy this stock and hey, it's going to multiply. But isn't that what we're doing when we ask God? It's not for his will. God, could you give me some insider information? To make my life successful. Well, that's not what it is. And guidance isn't a way of avoiding risks. Because some of us want to know, right? So we could take calculated risks. So, okay, God, at least I know that this person's the right person for me. Okay, I'm going to be happy. Well, singles, that's not the way God works. Right? Um, But... He asks us to step out in faith. He's given us scripture. He's given us people around us. He's, you know, he speaks to us. He opens doors for us, and we need to be attentive to that. But how does this work? You know, how does this work? You know, and, you know, I was preparing this. I said, you know, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> I'm not very good at this. And part of it is I have a strong capacity to try to take care of myself. You know, it started when I was in eighth grade and, you know, I was chased by gangs and my friend, you know, gave me a gun and said, Dave, you want, want to use this to protect yourself. And this is eighth grade. So I remember feeling the weight of this gun. And I said, you know what? No, you know, I don't want to do this. But I didn't tell my parents. You know, I said, I'll take care of this myself. High school was the same thing. You know, I, there were days where, you know, as a freshman, no, sophomore, I didn't know if I was going to come home alive, you know, from school. But once again, I didn't tell anybody. You know, I took care of it, you know, on my own. So, unfortunately, you know, I have a lot of bad habits and ingrained habits of trying to take care of things. And it's only when it's completely out of control that I come to God. And, you know, I've been messing up in this area big time. And, you know, it's, it's, the, it's just getting harder and harder. And I realize that i got to learn to do this better. And God placed a person in my life to teach me how to do this. And that's my son, Michael, who God has given him the amazing ability to, um, you know, hear God in a way that I never could. And so I'm going to ask him to come forward and uh, share. And this is also a Holy Spirit morning because I asked him about 20 minutes ago. Hey, Michael, (laughs) could you come up and share? And remember, I'm your boss. And so, no. But, uh, you know, Michael's, you know, he just amazes me how the Spirit just leads him. And so how is this done? I'm not the right person to tell you, but I think Michael is. So, Michael, when you come up here, it's on. It's on. Hold on. It's on. So I am not a missionary, and I know we have missionary sharing, but this semester has been super good for me. Um, you know, I went through a lot, but again, you know, I think in the past through camp, I've learned that I've had the experience to like experience God through prophetic prayer and through words of wisdom. And I like how you know, we're talking about obedience and learning how to step out in our comfort zone, especially Kellen saying, no, sometimes we just have to go. And I think that's so true in today's world, world where we just really need to go. Um, and so this semester, I actually, I struggle a lot with, like, I would say being alone. I have, when I'm alone, I have a lot of anxiety. It's hard for me to kind of just, like, be myself. Or sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, get me out of here, right? And that's because I am an only child. So, again, that kind of altered the way I like acted when I was alone but again God is so faithful and so I remember I would maybe eight weeks ago my parents went to Portland without me so I was stuck alone at the house and so I'm like dude this sucks I'm so alone 
granted, I have two dogs, but this is hard. And I was like, okay, how am I supposed to get over my fear of being alone, right? And so the next morning, it was, it was good because I actually received my prayer journal and my Bible in the mail uh, the following night. So I was like, you know what? Let me just wake up early. I'll go to Starbucks. And this is all new to me. I've never been to a coffee shop alone, let alone drink coffee. Um, I know. You'll, you'll understand later. And so I was like, okay, God, let me just go outside and just read the Bible. And then knowing that I have used the gift of perfect prayer and words of wisdom, I was like, okay, instead of praying for myself for once, God, how are you going to bless me today? And so I was like, God, who should I reach out to today? And instantly the first person was Will Pack. I was like, oh, man, like, it's 8.30 in the morning. I don't think he wants a 20-year-old texting him, hey, how are you doing, right? But I was like, okay, if God's going to use me and if I'm going to be obedient, that's exactly what I need to do. So I texted Will. I was like, hey, Will, like, is there anything I can be praying for you? And it's amazing how that works because Will gave me this whole spiel on how he was experiencing spiritual attacks and how, like, you know, he didn't know exactly what was happening. And it was good because later that day I saw him at basketball and we ended up praying. And even furthermore, because of that experience that I was able to be obedient to God and reach out to Will, Will was able to use his experiences with us, talking about spiritual text, and use that for his own like, purpose within his small groups, and also how I was able to develop a stronger relationship with Will. It's so funny because I've always seen Will as like, someone I look up to. And even this moment like, really defined our relationship, where now I literally just send him text of books I'm reading. No context. I'm like, hey, Will, read this, because I think it would be cool. That's the relationship we have now. But it was because of out of obedience, right, that I saw God work. And that goes back to one of the slides where if you don't work now, your next year will not depend on what you do now. So because that I work now, my relationship with Will, maybe next year, will be so much better because I acted on that. So then the next day came. I was in class. And I don't know. I was falling asleep. But the way I hear God is kind of like it's an inner monologue. I hear him through my own voice, but it's like a way smarter Michael, like a demanding Michael. And this Michael knows what he wants. So that's kind of how I distinguish hearing God. And so I was in class, and then all of a sudden God was like, Michael, go to the mountains alone. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, why should I go to the mountains alone? And then he told me, Michael, someone needs to know that I love them. And knowing me, I'm very, I'm, I'm a fighter. So I'm like fighting with God. I'm like, God, why can't you just do it yourself? You're powerful. Literally go tell someone that you love them. And he's like, no, Michael, I need you to do it. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so after my class, we, we have this viewpoint called GMR. It takes 30 minutes to get up there. So my first thought is that, oh my gosh, this is my first time driving up a mountain in my 1990 Acura Integra. I don't know how this is going to work out. So, but again, I trust God. I'm like, okay. If this is what you want me to do, I'm going to go for it. So I'm driving up the mountain, right? And then I'm constantly hearing, you are loved. I'm like, okay, you are loved. Cool, I know that. Tell that to someone else, right? But then God's like, no, 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 you are loved. So then I reach the top of the mountain. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'm here. What do you want me to do? And he says, Michael, get out your journal and write. And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to write about? So early in the day, earlier in the day, I had a group project. Um, I went to middle school with a bunch of my friends, and our group project was to basically give affirmation notes to kids. And with the, the notes, you know, again, the notes are catered toward kids, so it says, oh, come play with me, or I love playing handball with you. So it's nothing extraordinary. But my friend, she gave me an extra mason jar filled with these affirmation notes. And so God reminded me that later that I had that in the trunk of my car. And then he told me, Michael, go to the back of your trunk, open up that jar, and look. I'm like, all right. 
sure. So I open up my jar, and I'm filing through the notes. Again, I'm like, this is not even, like, relevant. Like, why does someone need to know that they want to play handball with them? It's not like, okay, God, whatever. But I keep going and going. And then I hit the last note, and guess what it says? It says, you are loved. And I'm like, okay, I'm a full send, right? So I I break out my journal, and this is what I wrote. Sorry, it's kind of long. I usually don't post anything that allows me to be honest and vulnerable. But I felt that someone needed to read slash hear this. God loves you. Crazy, right? This semester has been a roller coaster both academically and emotionally. But in the midst of all that, my relationship with God was solidified. I felt God's love truly for the first time and saw how good he was to me. There are moments in our life where we think God disappears, that he doesn't love us or leaves us because he doesn't care. Those are lies. If we never give God the chance to work in our lives, how do we expect to feel and experience his love? I have been stretched in more ways than one, learning how to be okay with being alone or doing things I normally wouldn't do. Because of my obedience to God in this season, I have seen the opportunities God has given me to change my life. I have overcame my fear of being alone in public because I realized that I'm never alone. I became more intentional with the people and friends I talk with because God allowed those people to come into my life for a reason. We tend to think our relationship with God is a one-way relationship that we need to please him in order for God to love us back. But the truth is, God loved us first and is constantly pursuing us. His love can be compared to a clingy friend or significant other. God always wants to talk to us. He always wants to hang out with us. And God always wants to love us. But we don't give him that chance. Jesus did not let Peter down. God still seeked after Adam and Eve. And God never gave up on you. So why should we? It doesn't matter how many times we mess up. God still pursues us. And you are so loved. So, so loved. He loves, the, he loves you endlessly despite our flaws. His arms are always reaching out toward us. If you aren't feeling loved or that no one cares, then know this. God, out of everyone else on this planet, loves you. We all just need to give him a chance to allow him to work in our hearts. Again, you are so loved, and his love for you will never change. So I wrote this. I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do with it? Next thing, he's like, Michael, go post on Instagram. I'm like, that, I don't, I don't know. Because for me, that was just, I usually don't post anything holy, which I should. I, I felt like that was a conviction, but it was like, oh my gosh, are people going to think I'm a Jesus freak or like just what is, what's wrong with Michael? Like this is so out of the blue. But again, because I've seen God work like literally the day before and these previous hours, I'm like, okay, I'm going to send it. I'm going to post it. Here we go. So then as soon as I posted it, instantly people were texting me and calling me to tell me, Michael, you don't understand how badly I needed that reminder. Or they were going through things that I could not imagine. Whether it was my roommates or my friends going through such difficult times that they needed to hear that God loved them because they were so broken. But if I never took that leap of faith, what would have ever happened? I don't know. And see, God is still faithful today. And a lot of times we expect God to work in our lives, but a lot of times we don't understand that we need to change our life. For example, I never read the Bible until like this semester. I know it sounds bad. I'm sorry. But again, for me to take the initiative to buy my own Bible and to read it every single day showed that I wanted to be with God. Where now, if I go to the gym, I no longer listen to explicit music. I am literally listening to Christian music or sermons while I lift, right? Because that in itself gives me energy, knowing that God is the only thing in this world that can fill me up with power, with energy, and the spirit. That in itself should be enough for us. And that's what I had to learn. Where now, 
Last semester, when I would sleep in during classes, now I wake up an hour early before classes to read the Bible. Where that change has made me more accountable for myself, has made me more intentional with my friends and those who I love, because I know that God calls every single one of us to go out there and obey his word, right? But again, we need to open up our hearts. We don't, a lot of the times, again, it's, God, would it, we want something that we want, right? When we pray, it's like, God, do this to me. And, you know, I am definitely a culprit of that, especially growing up as an only child. You know that everything goes to me. So when I pray, everything should go to me. But now it's, okay, God, how can you use me? How can you bless me to bless someone else in their life? And because of that prayer, I have been wrecked by God every single day. I have seen how God has used me to bless someone else's life. It could be the smallest thing to bind a coffee for them when they're having a bad day to going out to praying for them or asking them how their day is. See, this was such a foreign concept to me because I didn't realize that's how much God loved me. I didn't realize that God was just always present. But now that I know that, I'm literally walking in the Spirit, and it's amazing. So, I'm, yeah, I don't know. That, that, life's good. This is amazing, Marcus. I think I should be praying for so-and-so. And there's so many thing he, things he tells me that he be, thinks God is telling him. And I'm saying, you know, Michael, in my experience, I don't think God works that way. And then it happens just as God told them. And it's like, ah, okay, I'm schooled, you know, by my own son. But, you know, as I see, I'm learning from him on what it means to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis. And it's amazing what God could do through you. And I'm going to end with this. God's purpose in guidance is not to get us to perform the right actions. His purpose is to help us become the right kind of people. And I hope you heard that or see that in the testimonies of everyone who spoke today. It wasn't about doing stuff. It was, be- it was about becoming being it was beca- it was about becoming what god wants us to become as a person and this is why god guides us and directs us so what's our weekly challenge our weekly challenge is to read galatians 5:16 to 25 daily and then ask yourself what would it mean for you to walk by the spirit on a daily basis If you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit, maybe since you accepted Christ or you've been baptized, I really want you to ask yourself this question. And the next thing is, think about activities you do on a daily basis. Pick several and turn them into opportunities uh, to follow the Holy Spirit. These could be mundane activities. Hey, I'm going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to go to class. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to um, the grocery store. But pick a few and say how, and ask God to turn them into opportunities to follow the uh, Spirit's leading. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are available to guide and direct us. Father, that you know everything, the beginning from the end. And Father, the purpose for you to guide us isn't so that we could have insider information to make the right decisions so we could have a better life. Father, the reason that you lead us and guide us isn't 
so we can avoid uh, persecution and difficulty. Father, the reason you guide us is because you want us to become like your son, Jesus. And so, Father, as we move forward this week, may you quiet all of the other voices in our mind. Father, may you take away all of the other desires that we have and replace them with your Spirit's voice, with your Spirit's desires. And most of all, Father, would you guide our minds to be attuned, and to be aware of what your Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. And for you who've been maybe walking a long time, maybe like myself, through your own power, your own experience, your own knowledge, today is a day where we could say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop and I'm going to wait for the Holy Spirit to guide me. Not on these long-term or big things, but I'm going to make these small steps to try to listen to Holy Spirit and the mundane small things in my life. And then as we take these small steps in the same direction over time, Father, may we experience you in a way that we've never experienced you before. May you use us to reach people that we would never have thought we could reach or minister to. May you use us, as Michael said, to be a blessing of those whom we've never thought we could be a blessing to. For God, you know the hurting people out there. And Father, we are your feet and your hands. So, Father, use us this day. In your son's name we pray, amen.